welcome back to No Screaming, episode 51. I'm Evan Colbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on Netflix. So you don't have to. This week we are returning to our regularly scheduled program to tackle the 2015 horror film, Most Likely to Die. Yep. I hope everyone enjoyed our big spooktacular. Yep, as much as we enjoyed doing it, recording it. But we are back to the grind, and that means the roulette, the roulette. is serving up... Hot garbage, as usual. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, eh. It's fine. It's fine. It's I, not the worst we've had on this show. I liked it, but it was bad. Yeah, like, yeah. That's probably a, a good assessment. There's not that much here to spoil, but... There's a twist. It's it's the same as all these kind of style horror movies. Like, it's a mystery. The guy who's doing the murdering is masked the whole time. So if you think you might watch it and you really care about the mystery and the spoilers, I guess you could go you watch shouldn't. it. We, yeah. It's a fun... Like, if you like movies like this, I mean, like, the best of this bunch is something like Scream. Um, but it's it's your typical... It's it's the movie that, like, Cabin in the Woods is making fun of, right? Yes, like exactly. It's a bunch of kids, and they're, they're not kids, adults, but, like, they have kid personalities, and they know each other from high school, and they're up in a cabin, and they get slowly picked off one by one thematically, and that's, you know, it it, it, it just kind of flows that way. There are better ways to use 80 minutes, but sure. it didn't suck. It was fine. There were certain parts of it that I that we saw coming, but still enjoyed. Yeah. There was nothing that I was like, holy shit, Wow. But there also wasn't anything where I was like, "That's that's garbage." Like I, there was not there was nothing that was like offensive. The premise of this movie is that it is the ten year high school reunion of this particular graduating class in California, and a few friends, most of whom know each other from doing yearbook their senior year. Yeah, they're the yearbook committee. Uh, are staying in one of their friends' cabin. Uh, before the formal reunion the next day. The next day, yeah. I think they're planning reunion stuff, too. I'm pretty sure that part they're of it is involved. that one of the women who Simone. was the head of the yearbook committee, she is also planning the reunion. So there's there's sort of a, like, she's brought work for them to do, and they're, like, helping her do stuff for the reunion also. And this is also, I want to say this up front, because there's a solid chance that Liz and I are going to get lost in... Details by accident because the exposition of this movie is rampant. It is a There's waterfall so of information. Oh my god! And it's all like not well done. Like it's the most transparent. Like that's actually the first note that I took was exposition because it's just so obvious. I was going to start telling the listener about the uh, the one Stanley just the one Cup, listener. the <laughs> the proverbial listener. Uh, about the the Stanley Cup winning hockey friend who's in one scene, mm-hmm. uh, whose house they're staying at. Who's set up a little bit to be the um, red herring, right? Yeah. He's the one we're all supposed to suspect, because the one, one scene we see him in the first bit, he's very clearly upset. He's just been uh, traded, or he's been like fired from professional hockey. I don't remember. Something ha- bad happened to his career, and so he's very mopey. And we're supposed to interpret this as, like, he's probably murdering everybody. Let's just do a character breakdown real quick. Sure. Um, 
We've got Ray. He's the hockey player, famous hockey player. He's supposed to be our red herring. He it's his house, but it's his house. When everyone it's arrives, his, it's his like uh, mountain cabin. He doesn't live there full time, right? Right. When everyone arrives, he's nowhere to be seen, and so that's sort of right. one of the reasons that he's the red yes. herring. Yes. Ashley is his girlfriend. They assume that when they get there, and both Ray and Ashley are nowhere to be found, that they're off fucking. But we actually do see Ashley die in the one of the, one of the first scenes. Yeah, the cold open. Um. She assumes that Ray and her are playing some sort of game, like some sort of sex game, but then um, it becomes clear she's being stalked and eventually murdered. Um, she gets, like, dragged into a shed, and we don't yes. really see what happens to her. Um, what we do see, actually, I think this is an important detail, there are somebody, somebody has um, blown up all of their, like, high school photo, like, pictures, their school photos, and put them from on the- From a yearbook. From a yearbook, and put them on the wall- um, with their superlative, and I guess this is the kind of school that like everybody has a superlative. It's not just like best hair, best eyes, most likely to succeed. It's like everybody has something more tailored to them. Well, that's the plot reason is that uh, we have this group of protagonists who are these gossipy little shits. They are, and we know that in high school, like they're on the yearbook committee. I presume they're responsible for how all this turned out because they seem to have tailor written their own. Superlatives. Superlatives. Because yeah. they have to then explain it to the outsider of the group. Yeah. Uh, here's we'll why this is phrased this way. So I think that, like, they just wanted to label everyone. Probably, yeah. They they were that they were that group. They wanted to give everybody a label. And they're not all negative, right? Like, some of them are no. positive. But some of them are shitty, as we'll get into. Um, Another thing about the, the killer who has uh, put all of their photos and superlatives up on the wall, as we see Ashley slowly get led to her death... There are a lot of, like, blown-up uh, printouts of, like, why aren't you dead yet? And, like, all these, like... With, like, the school colors. Yeah, they're very elaborate. And the reason that I note it is that it was... It stood out to me immediately as, like, oh, this is a killer with, like, a budget. Yeah. Like, they had to go <laughs> to a print shop. He did some arts and crafts before this all went down. Yeah, like, the there's, like, a getting colder... He makes cold a phone case at one point. Yeah. There's a phone case that that says, like pick me up or like come find me or something on it with the school colors. Like yeah. a lot of work has gone into this. Some of which are like, like big, like printed out yeah. uh, cardstock. Yeah. Whoever was working at that Kinko's was like something <laughs> shitty's going down. Yeah. Um, Whoever printed out this, uh, you know, four foot long sign that says die already. Die already. Yeah. Super fun. Um, so just to move through the characters really quickly, uh, Simone is the like, head of the yearbook who is clearly she's very type a organized yeah. she's you know gone on to be successful um gabby is like presumably kind of our main character uh played she, by heather morris from, by, glee. from glee yeah um she probably should have stuck with comedy but it's fine um who is a professional poker player uh and the movie never lets you forget it no well we will definitely talk about that later and they all all they all they played poker together growing up in high like, school. In high school, part of their, like, they were yearbook committee, and they were also always playing poker together for some reason. <laughs> Again, whatever. Uh, Jade is Gabby's best friend. She's gay. The best character in the movie, by far. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Uh, Lamont, uh, our token person of color. And Freddie, who is played by... Does Lamont have a personality? No. Okay. He used to be fat. Yeah. That's his thing. He used to be he used to be chubby and they made fun of him. And now he's hot. And now he's hot. That's his only thing. 
Um, Freddie is played by Perez Hilton. Perez Hilton. Perez Hilton. You you didn't hear me wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's real not good. Noted actor, Perez fucking Hilton. <laughs> uh, His name showed up in the credits, and I did, like, a spit take. It's in the Netflix. He's, like, the third I build did, Netflix I didn't person. know. Yeah, yeah, so I, I knew that was coming, and I was not excited about it. Um, he doesn't really have a personality either, except that he uh, drank a lot in high school, and then, like, is now a recovering alcoholic. I mean, he's, he's playing... Perez Hilton. He's, like, flamboyantly gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, nosy and gossipy and bitchy. Like, like he's filming everyone the whole time. Yes, like, he is. It's, it feels... I didn't even think about that. Yeah. He's, like, obtrusive and, like... It's very strange. Like, it's weird. Uh, why cast him and then be like, oh, we, we have this with this person who wants to document everything and it's annoying. In a, in a like, nosy way. In an invasive in way. In an invasive. That's exactly what I was looking for. Um, the only two left are... Uh, or, no, I guess there's three left. There's DJ. He's the class clown. I didn't write down. Um, Tarkin. No, the um, the hot one, the one who becomes the movie star. What was his name? His name is Brad Campbell. Brad Campbell, uh, who gra- like dropped out of school a month early, uh, went off to be a famous Hollywood movie star, and is now returning because he's getting some like award from the union for like most successful whatever. He's brought like some hot model girlfriend. Um, named Bella. Named Bella, who wants something from Gabby, but Brad and Gabby were something in high school, and now she fucking hates him. So that they have a little love triangle going on. There's um, also a, a man named Tarkin, who... Grand Moff Tarkin. <laughs> Grand Moff Tarkin, who is played not by Peter Cushing, but instead by Gary Busey's son, Jake. And so he weird. serves no role in this movie, except that... He's he's like a little bit of a harbinger. Barely. Barely. Barely, because they're already at the cabin when yeah. he shows up being creepy. And he's creepy. And then he uh, watches Bella undress and then gets killed. Like, very quickly. He's probably the second death after Ashley, who is like, you know, in it's the first suspicious. five minutes of the movie. It's suspicious to the point where I'm like, was there a contractual obligation like, he does actually serve no actual narrative purpose. No. It is distracting. They do think it's him for a second. Before they think it's Ray, when they when they find that people have been murdered, they find Ashley first, and they're like convinced it's Tarkin, and then they're convinced it's Ray, or maybe they're the other way around. There's also too many red herrings. We'll they also never this. find Tarkin's body. Correct. So it, it it's not important. Oh my like, god! Yeah, it was a pretty pointless situation. So that's all. That's all the characters. I want to say right as we you know get into this, way too many characters. Yep. I think that like we haven't talked about Bella dropping out of school at sixteen, which is why she doesn't know what superlatives are. Oh yeah. No, I thought yeah, even though sixteen, I thought she started modeling at like thirteen. Whatever they said. There's a point at which so this movie is called Most Likely to Die, and as you have doubtless figured out. It's about the premise of, like, school superlatives, Mm -hmm. and the the, the spin on it is, like, who's gonna die? And there's a plot reason we'll talk about in a second. But there's a point at which they have to explain the concept of senior superlatives for the audience who might not know, I guess. I guess, yeah. Because it serves no other purpose in the movie other than, like, let's talk about, if you don't know what most... Let's go to the wall and see. Most likely to succeed. Most likely to have her name in lights. If you're an audience member going... Why? Why would they do? Why that? would they do this? Seniors are poorlos, everybody. That's what you do. It's dumb. Uh, way too many characters. I think like if we are looking at this as like a scream or cabin in the woods, like compared to those as the best, you know, you only need five, right? That's yeah. like max. 
you got a couple girls, a couple guys, you're done. You do not need fucking 11 eight. characters. Well, it's eight of the main group, I think. Uh, yeah. Because Ray and Ashley are nowhere to be found, and Tarkin is, dies very quickly. Yes. It's still way too many. Plus, it, it's also important to note that there is a character we never see whose presence looms off screen and is the metaphorical, if not literal, specter haunting this movie. Yes. Which is a kid that they bullied in high school. Who named, everybody presumably bullied. But they specifically... They specifically targeted, yeah. Published a version of the yearbook that had his face scratched out, like his senior portrait scratched out, and the superlative most likely to die. Which is super unfunny. <laughs> like, there's a lot better shit you could do, right, to, like, bully somebody... Yeah. And say most likely to do something if you're going to be a bully. Most likely to die is like, that's a direct fucking threat, right? Like, well, yeah, and they got in trouble for it. They and uh, they all regret it They in, to, to, to varying degrees. Gabby in particular seems to be like, this was a shitty thing to do. Yeah. Anyway, his name was John Doherty, but they called him John Doe. Another hilarious way to make fun of someone. Like, what is there this was stupid a fucking complicated school? thing about how there was a gun in his locker. Yeah, because... And what... Ray would have taken the fall, except for the gun. It's no, just no, no. so much explanation. When this was happening, when they, like... When the was was revealed that the yearbook was published this way, Ray was going to go down for it for some reason. And the only reason he didn't is because then they found a gun in John Doherty's locker... And it was like, oh, okay, never mind. Like, he took this too far, and now he's expelled. Right? So, exposition, exposition, exposition. There's also so much relationship drama between, like, Ray and Ashley, who obviously we don't see, but they are together, and they often... They're off again, on again. I'm not gonna lie, I actually didn't really follow this. Gabby and Brad Campbell had drama. I, like, I actually... They had drama. I don't really know if any of that was actually relevant to It's the not. That's what I'm talking about. That's even another reason. This movie is short, but it could have been shorter, and I think they really felt like they needed to fill out all of the murder stuff because we have tons of Gabby Brad talking and talking about how she was pregnant and he ran away. Well, she was and pregnant? She, you missed that? I couldn't follow She it. was pregnant uh, and he ran away. That's like, he dropped out and left. So he left her, like, Which is why he doesn't have a superlative. Correct. He doesn't have one because uh, he was not there for the end of the year. And also, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure, actually, he was going to have one, and Gabby specifically, like, was like, fuck him and said no. There's a lot of yearbook drama in this movie. And Simone and Lamont, like, end up fucking because Lamont is like, I had a huge crush on you in high school. I wanted to kiss you that day or whatever. And so they end up fucking. But it's like, it's so much relationship drama that they all go through. Uh, Even, like, we have a sense of, like, Jade, we know what her relationship is because she is talking about how she's, like, now dating one of their old teachers from high school. So, like, everybody has drama in this. And I guess there's a world in which it would be like, oh, they've got backstories. Like, they're fleshed out people. But it was so unnecessary. They're people who stop everything to talk about whenever the there details. was talking yeah. about it i was like okay can we go through this like this is so unnecessary i don't need to know this so this movie plays out uh exactly how you would expect right it just like they just get picked off one by one uh, do you we want to talk about any of that or just kind of get into how it all happens let's talk about how it ha- like let's talk about what happens because i think that my favorite parts of this movie are the murder scenes yeah i just we don't need to go in order right of like no. this then this God, then no. this but let's just talk about like what the murderer does so they find, when they find Ashley, she's in a shed 
it's they, they find it because it's like whirring, right? There's clearly some machinery going on. And they walk in and she is in a chair, kind of slumped, with her throat cut, and it there are like uh Christmas lights yep. all over everything and it says Ashley really big above her head. Like her superlative. Oh, most likely to have her name in lights. Mm. <laughs> Unfortunately, I feel like that's actually one of the most clever of them. I don't think they get better from that. It is the most opinion. clever of them. It's also the most uh, visually interesting. Correct. Because it is like some straight up saw shit of like yeah. uh, all of the Christmas lights juxtaposed with her corpse is like yeah. well well shot, well well constructed. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's 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 good. <laughs> and this, this did lead to my absolute favorite part of the movie, which was... Um, they're all standing around. They're all kind of freaking out about, like, what to do. Uh, Freddy is off, like, puking. Because he's actually, he ran away because he's on parole. He's breaking his parole to yes, be here. to be here. So he, like, doesn't want the cops to be involved. And Lamont's gone to get the cops. But the rest of them are just standing around, freaking out about what to do. They're all talking about, like, oh, was it Ray? Was it Tarkin? And the door is open, and they're all just sort of, like, flitting around it. And at one point, Heather Morris goes... She's she's the one who found her, so she knows what it looks like in there. But she goes back over to the door and looks in, and then she goes, Oh! And it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. That she, like... This weird, like, I have to look at it again, and then this weird, exasperated sigh. It was well, hysterical. The important context being that she found the body in the first place... Like earlier in the day, because it was I, daytime. That's what I said. Yeah. So then she has like she convenes anyone, and then she needs to like look, look at, at it, it yeah. again. But like, and not be like horrified. Just give this exasperated like, oh, still there, it still is, a dead body. It is ridiculous enough that I will actually encourage if you are listening to this podcast. I gotta assume you got Netflix. <laughs> go to Most Likely to Die. Go to the thirty-seven minute mark. Yep. And it starts right around thirty-seven minutes. You'll get to see a few seconds of. Wan- aimless wandering. <laughs> Just incredible acting from Heather Morris. Uh, it's one of the funniest I, things I've ever I seen. really promise you it's worth it. It made me laugh so hard. But so anyway, then while they're all up there, Simone gets killed. And she said earlier in the day that she wanted to spend the rest of her life in the hot tub. Uh, or like all she wanted to do, if, all she wanted was to spend the rest of her life in the hot tub. Or be in the hot tub or something. And then they find her in the hot tub. And this one I thought was like kind of a stretch superlative wise. You did skip the most interesting part of that, which is that so she fucks Lamont and then they only want Lamont to come look at Ashley's body. They leave, for, they leave her there for some reason. It's so uh, weird. And then she is lured out of her room and down the hallway by Pomp and Circumstance playing. She's like, oh, I hear Pomp and Circumstance in this creepy hallway. Yeah. Oh, also Brad Campbell turns off the generator, cuts all the cuts the power because he's like, oh, this is gross. I don't want to look at this anymore. He's yeah. like, this is, this is kind of macabre. But then it cuts off all the electricity in the house. So right. Simone is so, wandering around so in the dark. The whole fucking house is powered by this random generator in a shed. Okay. Oh my god. Uh, so she's wandering in the dark. She goes and follows the pop and circumstance breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. uh, and the killer jumps out. We uh, we didn't talk about him. We should talk. We should talk about the killer. Well, this is when like. we first see the killer like fully, mm-hmm. which is that he's wearing a blue graduation robe and a blue mortar board. He's wearing a mask made out of like paper mache. Of a cut-up yearbook. Well, we did see him. The credit sequence is the somebody of the making a mask out of all the yearbook pictures. So, uh, his preferred murder weapons are an exacto knife. Like the no, kind... it's it's a box cutter. Oh, it's a box cutter. Exacto knives are like really delicate, 
they're like for um, like cutting really small things. Box cutters are the ones that have like. Are you sure the, it's an exacto knife? Because I thought it was supposed to be the thing that they cut out the pictures of the. That's what an exacto knife would be for. But box cutters have the little switch that you can push the blade up. So and it's pull supposed it down. to be exacto knife, and then they decided that it wasn't. Exacto knives could never kill anyone. Okay. They're so tiny. The That's blade. I've seen, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But the blade of an exacto knife is like half an inch long. If you do what he does with them, which is he has a razor blade on the end of his mortarboard, like on the tip, mm-hmm. uh, and he grabs Simone, headbutts her in yeah. the forehead with the blade, and then whips his head real quick to slash her throat. Yeah. And it's the most bizarre ninja move. Yeah, and like, I, like all I can picture is him practicing on like fucking mannequins for the yeah. past like six months. He's like, I gotta get it good on that first try when I like whip my head. Because I can't imagine it's super easy to like cut someone's throat with something that's on your own head. Right. And I mean, I think like it's, it is a razor blade on his mortarboard. It's not an exacto knife. It's a big... You know, it's a big He blade. also uses a blade. So like... He uses a box cutter. There are other types that we... I didn't really get... Was there a purpose to everyone's throat being slit? Everyone's throat is slit in this movie. Who dies? Uh, I don't know. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why either. Except that maybe it's, like, an easy thing to do and is gruesome. Like, it's, like, it has a vengefulness to it. Well, Lamont, who wandered off to try to get a cell reception... Because they have no cell reception, uh, and he should call the cops because they found Ashley, and they're like, well, shit, we need to But do all of this. their fuel lines have been cut also, yes. so no one can get down the So mountain. he's wandering off. When he ends up dying, which we'll talk about in a second because it is part of the twist, uh-huh. uh, his throat is cut, and then, because he was most likely to eat anything, uh, he has a... Hockey stick jammed down his throat. Jammed down his throat yeah. after his throat has been cut. Yeah, which is like, wh- like Why? No, no, no. He shoves it down there first, and then he cuts his throat afterwards. Really? Yeah, it's so stupid. Like, yeah, it's... You're totally right. I never thought about that. It's very dumb. You'd expect it to be because he'd want to do something with their heads, because when Bella dies, he ends up fully decapitating her. Yes. Um, He throws the mortarboard at her ninja ninja star style. The shuriken, yeah. Yeah, and ends up cutting her enough, and then he, like, rips her head off. As she screams as her head is being ripped off. Not realistic. Um... But also think, stupid. Yeah, you'd think he would have like done something with the heads, but he doesn't, does he? Nope. Um, like I was going to say, though, Simone's is pretty weak because I think the only reason it's supposed to be that way is her, her, her like, superlative yeah. and death because they find her in the hot tub. And this is when Gabby puts it together. She's like, wait a second. Ashley's name was in lights and Simone said she wanted to spend her life in the hot tub and her superlative is most likely to get what she wants. And I was like, that's a lot of like... Two plus two plus like that's a lot of like yeah addition to doing your head and I guess the idea is supposed to be that then he can hear them like that was something he kind of did spur of the moment because he heard her say I want to spend my life in the hot tub supposed to be that it's like he's that he's listening to them that he is or that it's one of them that it's one of them or or it uh, he's on the premises with them right which duh he killed her like well they were also obviously he's there but um and I guess it also is the um. There's a point, I don't remember when, if it's this point or later, but someone is like, this isn't some random psycho, like, he knows us. This is, like, someone that we know. Right. 
like Ray, presumably. Like Ray. Oh, and I think they even do talk about John Doe a little bit. They're like, it could be him. Like, maybe... What happened to him? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Like, he has reason to get revenge on us. Like, they know that. But again, I think that, like, there's too many red herrings in this because the fact that it's Ray and John Doe and Tarkin have all been eliminated as people because we're already suspecting them. Like, it's never the well, person you suspect, well, right? the fucking audience sees Tarkin die. Right. So, like, what is the... Like, again, it, it provides no additional suspense. And I think no both Ray and John Doe are too obvious, in my opinion. The point of a horror it. movie is not for the characters to figure it out and for them to be strung along suspensefully. It's for the audience to be. And right. any dramatic irony that's, like, uh, executed needs to be in service of the longer game of suspense, right? Mm-hmm. If we know some of the characters don't, it needs to be for a reason. They suspect Tarkin for, like, five seconds, but we already know that he's dead. Right. Wh- yeah, but also, I mean, they do suspect Ray and John Doe, and I think both of those things are too obvious, so I knew it wasn't going to be either of Sure, but we as audience don't actually have the answers. If it's a stupid movie, it could have been Ray, right? Sure, yeah, right. And pretend that we didn't know that coming. Sure. So I think those are all the deaths, right? No, because well, we. Oh no, no. There's, there's also, Jade. Jade is the last one. Well, there's also an attack on Brad Campbell, which is that there's the phone and it's ringing. Right. Uh, and they're like, wait, I thought we didn't have cell service. Um, <laughs> and he gets stabbed with a box cutter. Yeah. But then he gets like jabbed a bunch, so he's like not. It's not fatal, but he's like lying on the couch, kind of going into shock. We also didn't talk about the blood in the soap dispenser, which was a great touch. Oh yeah. Yeah, because they're all in the bath. Like, Freddie and Jade and Gabby have all gone to the bathroom together. Because they smartly decided to not split up. And actually, three people... I was thinking about this when I was watching it. This is a good idea. You have to have three people when you go to the bathroom together, because otherwise, somebody's alone outside of the bathroom. So having three people there was actually very clever. But so, Freddie goes in. Everything's fine and normal. Jade... Oh, Jade shows Gabby the gun. Yes. Jade has explained how she has, like, a steady girlfriend now. It's their high school English teacher. And Ray let them come up here and stay once, and there had been some break-ins, so he showed her that he has, like, a a gun, a book, um, what's the word? Like a false... False yeah. book that has, like, a gun in, inside of it and some bullets. So Gabby, sh- uh, or Jade shows Gabby to be like, just so you know, this is here, you know, I don't, I don't want to tell everybody, because what if one of us is the person... But I trust you, and I want you to know where this gun is. On that on that note, I think that this is also part of where I think Jade really solidified as a as a more interesting character than most of them. Because mm-hmm. she also, there's a point where she, like we said, Freddie's filming everything, where she says to Freddie, like, go get your camera, I want to say goodbye to my girlfriend. And everyone is like, God, that's morose. And she's like, no, I know. We're gonna die. I know shit when I'm in it, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I want to be safe. Oh, and I that's love a, Jade. That's a touch that most horror film victims don't even seem to think about. They always yeah. seem to think they're going to survive. Uh-huh. But the fact that she has a beat where she's like, I need to say goodbye to my girlfriend in case I don't get out of this yeah. is really beautiful. I loved it. I loved her. And she and Jay, she and Gabby have probably the most interesting discussions. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I do just want to say like, uh, there's Gabby, not much more to talk about. Gabby is a, she's a poker player. Uh, she doesn't, she doesn't trust. It, it seems to be a cycle of like, she doesn't trust anybody anyway. And then she's also in a job where trust is like, you know, verboten. So it's just a cycle of like, she's never, ever going to have to trust anybody. And Jade is trying to help her kind of figure out like, here's how I can be a good poker player, but also be a human being who lets people into my life. Like there can be a balance there. And she makes her a really cute little bracelet that says number yep. one poker player because 
Apparently that's what you do when you win the big poker game is you get a bracelet and she's never gotten one. Yeah. So Jade makes one. They they are the best part of this movie by far. Yeah. Um, they're very sweet. Agreed. And Jade is like, you know, that's the only backstory I was really interested in was this whole situation. But so they're convinced when... Uh, so essentially when after this conversation that they have and Heather Morris goes into the bathroom, Gabby goes into the bathroom. Um, when she finishes, she goes to wash her hands and she uses the soap dispenser and blood comes out onto her hand. And that's when suspicion ramps up. Cause then they think it's Freddie because he was in the bathroom first. So he would have had the opportunity, I guess, to put blood in the soap dispenser, but he was just like, I didn't wash my hands and that's why I didn't see it was there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we eventually get to this point where... Jade and Gabby are running from the killer. They this are. This is after Brad's been stabbed. Yes. And Freddy is... He's fucked off somewhere. And this is another great scene, which is that uh, Gabby and Jade get trapped in a... Or Gabby gets trapped in a, I guess, weird outdoor hallway? I feel like it's like... Um, they're like these little alleys where people often keep like their trash or like storage. Um, and there's like a fence. On, there's like a, a gate on both sides. I've yeah, seen but, them before in other movies. I don't know really what they are. I don't know where it is in this isolated cabin, though. In a neighborhood, it's, it makes sense. Right. I agree. It's just on the side of the building. It's not a cabin. It's a. It's actually a big house. We're calling it like a kind of cabin in the woods. But it's like, it's, it's a, a beautiful, mansion. it's a mansion just on a mountain. The killer starts coming at Gabby and then starts playing a rhythm on an empty water bottle with yeah. like a drumstick. Uh, Which I really, I wish that had been, it was very threatening, and I wish we'd had some sense of, like, if it was, like, part of their school song. Like, I wanted it to be somehow, like... Meaningful? Yeah, like, it would have been really cool if it was, it's like, a, a callback. It's a cool sequence, it just is kind of empty. Sense, yeah. Uh, Jade starts shooting at the killer, killer runs, Gabby takes the gun from Jade and runs to chase him. There's a sequence where Gabby is trying to find the killer... Moving through the house. She has a gun. She has the gun. She comes... There's a... This is really hard to talk about, but she comes up some stairs where there's a landing with a door that is made of mirrors. I think it's a closet door or a... I think maybe it's the bathroom door. It's yeah. Just, it's a mirror door, like you've seen. I think maybe like one of those mirror sliding doors. Right. And then there's there's like more stairs going up, like behind, behind her. her. So she comes up the stairs. She sees the killer, in front of her. Uh, there's a heart drawn on his stomach somehow. Yes. She aims right in the middle of the heart, shoots the heart, and then you realize it's a mirror. It shatters. The killer is behind her now because he was reflected in the mirror in front of her, but you see that when she shot through the mirror, she hit Jade. And that's the superlative. Jade is... Jade was most likely to break hearts. But, um... Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the dumbest sequence possibly in the movie. Because yeah, especially because then Gabby forgets that there's a killer behind yeah, her. Yeah, realizing what she's done, she drops the gun, one, and runs to Jade without ever looking behind her, even though logic dictates that if she shot the mirror, the killer is literally, actually not even behind her, just next to her. Yep. Like, just right on her right. Instead, she drops the gun, runs to Jade, they have a tearful goodbye... That lasts a little bit too long. But the killer has sympathy for her. Oh yeah, he goes to shoot her and then he doesn't. It's real weird. Even though he was about to kill her seconds before. That's never explained. I just realized that. Nope. Well, it is in... Let's just move into it. Sure. So this is when we cut back to where uh, DJ and Lamont are. 
and it turns out DJ's in on it, and DJ slits Lamont's throat and shoves a hockey stick, stick down yeah. his fucking throat. This is actually when we had we had discussed throughout uh, whether or not there was the possibility of having two killers. Because um, we'll say this more later. This movie wants to be Scream really, really, really badly. Like, it's it's trying for that so hard. And so I was like, there's parts where, like, you know, he shows up and then he pops up again somewhere else. And I really, really wanted there to be two killers at this point because DJ doesn't really make sense as a killer. I'll just say that right now. Like, the, he'll start explaining why he is doing what he's doing. But when he when he was like, he's, he's doing that killer thing where he's pretending to be passed out. Yeah. And then when... Um, Lamont goes to help him. He he stabs him and uh, slits his throat and stuff. Um, but I was as I was going through that, I'm like, okay, so it's DJ. I was like, that doesn't really track. But it is. It. I mean, it is him. Yeah. So I think this is all sort of intercut. But then we're back with Gabby and Brad Campbell and Freddie, who's drinking. He's just turned up again. Yeah. Well, it's just because um, we have a little bit of backstory of him is that one of the, the reasons he stopped drinking is because he was drunk in a car with his boyfriend and he got into a car accident and his boyfriend died, which is why he's on parole. Uh, and he did time and why, um, he was sober and now he's like back on the wagon on the sauce or off the wagon, I guess. Right. Yeah. He's on yeah. the sauce. Yes. Is that what he says? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> DJ comes in, drags the killer's body. It feels for a second like it's going to be like, DJ's going to pretend that someone else is the killer. Yeah. But it, that doesn't happen. He doesn't Instead, do he pulls off the mask, and it's Ray, who's got a, his mouth duct tape, and then he starts explaining his evil plan, which was to frame Ray mm-hmm. because they were mean kids in high school. Well, it's because he runs into John Doe at some point, like, a few weeks before. As he explains in monologue. Yeah, this is his monologue. Uh, and I guess John Doe had been thinking that he just had bad luck, and that's why his life sucks so much. And then DJ was like, no, man, because we fucked up your life. We put a gun in your locker. Well, that's the reveal, is that, like... One of many reveals. One of many reveals, is that he's like, oh, um... I don't know if it actually reveals this now or later, but he's like, Ray made me plant the gun in your locker. we're in the last scene of the movie. There yeah, is yeah, no yeah. later. Well, there's yeah, it's, it drags all a little bit too much. I don't remember whether it's that he's it's during this reveal or whether he's this is what he's talking to Gabby. No, it's the first thing he says. She, she starts asking him questions and then he starts telling her things. But anyway, he they planted the gun in order to get uh, Ray off the hook. Ray off the hook. And um, when John Doe heard this, he jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and died. And so now DJ is taking revenge, I guess, on his behalf. Yeah, and is like. Freddie, Gabby, you don't have to die. You should join me. I'm going to kill everyone at our reunion tomorrow night. All oh, the... yeah, he's going to murder everyone. Not everyone, but, like, all the people that were mean. Yeah, all the, I like, guess. jocks and cheerleaders uh, and stuff. We, again, he was a bully in high school, too, and now he's decided to become the Dark Knight. It doesn't actually make sense. So, uh, Freddie's like, yeah, sure, he's scared. He'll, he'll, he'll help. And then he's like, Gabby, I don't want to kill you. You should help out. And then Gabby... The poker player bluffs her way through this scene. Yes, because uh, DJ is like, you need to take your revenge and kill Brad because he broke your heart in high school. Yes. So just here's here's the box cutter. Kill him. Um, and then there's a beautiful, you know, shot on the bracelet that says number one poker player on it. While Subtle. Gabby's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I'll do it, DJ. Hand me the box cutter. 
So of course, again, we're we're thinking, what an idiot! Why would why would this this villain hand her the box? Hand cutter? her a box cutter. But then she stabs Brad Campbell anyway. She does it. I was like, oh, okay. Here's where we are. She's really bluffing. So she bluffs to the point that she stabs Brad. Then, then well, she gets the trust of DJ, DJ because then she's like, now give me the gun and I'll finish him off. And then DJ foolishly hands her the gun, and then she shoots DJ, and that's the end of the movie. Well, yeah, so there's a lot of survivors here. We got Freddie, Brad, Gabby, and Ray. And Ray. Uh, they all Whose car off. still works, be- I think specifically because DJ was trying to frame him. So, like, Ray's car is still fine, so yeah. the four of them are going to go back down the mountain together. Uh, and then... Oh, Ray's also jacked. I just want to mention that. Oh, he takes he's not his shirt wearing off. A, he's not... Oh, is he wearing a shirt? Oh, he's wearing the graduation robe. Yeah, he takes his shirt off and then shoots the fuck out of he DJ. He shoots DJ, like, four more times. Uh, but then... A graduation gown wearing figure comes and picks up the mortarboard and mask and puts it on because John Doe's alive? That was my assumption is that John Doe's actually alive and DJ, for whatever reason, was pretending that he was dead. Or it's a ghost. Well, that this is here's the situation. John Doe. No, he's not a ghost. Um, I think he's alive. There's nobody else it could possibly be besides John Doe. Everybody else is legitimately dead. And we just watched the four of them walk away. True. It has to be John Doe. This is what didn't make sense to me, is DJ's whole thing is, I'm doing this because John Doe died, because, like, I have to get revenge for him. So if he's alive, why does DJ need to get revenge? Maybe it's just for his honor. Maybe they're in love. I did think they were in love. I was like, there's... Because this movie has two other gay characters. What's a that third? That was my... Well, because that's what would motivate that, right? Is yeah. if, if John Doe's miserable enough that DJ feels bad enough for him without him having to die to, like, revenge on him. Yeah. Or revenge for him. Uh, it just... It didn't... You know, over the whole span of the movie, we've gotten this whole thing... This movie does not come together for me. No, at no, no, no. all. This reveal does not make sense. The twist is nonsense. Not, not like doesn't make any sense. Again, there kind of should have been two killers, and maybe there were if they're suggesting John Doe was a killer, was like one of the other murderers. But it feels it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like an additional no. twist. It feels like setting up a sequel. It feels like a setup for a sequel. Exactly. It feels like oh, you know, mostly did I too, which never, of course. Um, but yeah, it just it, like this movie is not bad. It's like fine for a lot of it, and then it it nose dives at the end by having its killer make absolutely no sense, uh, and do so in like his gangster voice. Oh yeah, we need to get into that. Uh, DJ talks normally the whole movie. He's the class clown. He is in charge of all the pranks. Um, in charge of the pranks. He's in charge of them. He like they they talk about his like senior prank a bunch. Yeah, and his thing is most likely to have the last laugh. Yes. Which is actually a, a little bit of nice foreshadowing that he's the killer, which is kind of cool. Um, oh, and Gabby's is, we didn't talk about this, Gabby's is most likely to play uh, the, the hand, hand she's, she's dealt, dealt, which is very final girl. Yeah. Um, and also I wondered like a little bit about her pregnancy. It was kind of, it felt loaded in that way to me of like, she That's, dealt she with does it. it. What? That's not what playing the hand you're dealt means. Right. It, wouldn't that mean she'd be like, have the baby? Yeah, that means you yeah, roll yeah, with yeah. it. So it's a, it's a weird, it was a weird thing. Um, but so, right when he is revealed as the killer, I've noticed this in other movies. I actually think it does happen in Scream, and it doesn't bother me because it's a good movie. Um, and 
this movie's probably imitating it. But in Scream, um, when the killers are revealed, they start talking a little bit more threateningly. Yeah. They start, like, having... I specifically think of um, Billy Loomis uh, shouting about... Uh, movies don't make killers, yes. movies make killers more creative. I hear that, like, it, it's much more threatening than his, although Billy Loomis is always threatening, so, you know, whatever. Uh, DJ, who was talking like, he has a fun, nice voice the whole time, he starts doing this voice. I wrote down the thing that he said, but the way he talks is like, it's a little bit like mob voice. It's a little bit like he's trying to do, like, a black voice a little bit. I yeah. don't know if that's, like, what he's trying to sound... Sounded tough. Sound tough. But he go he says something like, uh you know, like, oh you know, Freddie, like we were best friends with him in grade school. You too, Gabby. And it's so weird. It, it just like really threw me off. It was I was like, what And he monologues for like five minutes. He talks like that for a long time. And I was like, where is this was this a direction? Is he just slipping into this? Like, where did this voice come from? And I think it's emblematic of like this movie feels, at the end of the day, very slapdash. It is like, yeah, it is barely it held needs together. A few more rewrites, yeah. honestly. And like, just to wrap up, like I think it's it's okay, it's fine. This movie is fine. It could have been worse. Yeah, it suffers for wanting to be scream and having no idea how to be scream. No, because everything like is it's so heavy handed. It's yeah. not smart. It's it's so heavy handed. We were I, was, I think we alluded to this earlier, but there's. Everything's a poker metaphor, like poker metaphor in this movie. Like everything's about like ah oh, the hand you're dealt or like ah oh, she's bluffing. I or, lost big once to you. I won't lose again. I won't lose again. Yeah. Or like what was the one about like she'd rather play. She'd always rather like back down and not like up the ante. There's just go all some, in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just constant poker metaphors. And she's not the only one who, everybody in this movie, all the characters, have one thing, and it's their whole thing. Like, it's their entire personality. Gabby has nothing other than poker. Freddie has nothing but drinking. Like, every character just has their thing, and it's all they talk about, and everything they talk about is in metaphor of that thing. It's truly too much. It's exhausting. It's, it is so exhausting. And it's really bad writing. It means that they're not... There's a lot of effort in this movie to make them feel real, and they are not real in the least. Yeah, pro tip for everyone, more exposition is not ever better. No. Like, there's a reason why show, don't tell is a maxim. Right. Like, this movie tells us so much more than we could ever keep straight. And they're more than we need. This is a horror movie. We do not need to know so much of their bullshit. From ten years ago. Yeah. And then I guess, again, in a better movie, I don't know what it is, sometimes that level of fleshing out your characters can be really great. And in this, it, it just felt hollow. Again, it needs to be revealed through character moments, not through... Right, just talk. Conversations that people have like, oh, remember when this happened? Oh, yeah. how about that? I guess that's the benefit of setting this during a reunion, is that if they're all being really nostalgic and talking about the past, it's because like they're at a reunion. It's not an excuse, but it's yeah. No, it's not a good excuse, and it's, again, the writing in this is extremely dumb. The directing, surprisingly, is not that terrible. I feel like I wasn't ever like... There's only one shot in the beginning where Ashley's getting dragged into the shed. And it's shaky cam. It's shaky cam, and it looks real stupid. But other than that, like, it's... There's nothing interesting or flashy, 
but there's nothing bad either. It's just, it's a pretty routinely shot movie. Are you ready to bonk this in the head with a razor blade and then slash it with a head toss? <laughs> and shove a hockey stick down its throat, et cetera, et cetera. Yes? Yeah, I'll put it away. Oh, yes. the. How about we pull up that roulette and Roll see if we can it. find something a little more inspiring? Uh, I'm not enthusiastic. All right. Our next movie will be... Gerald's Game. Oh, exciting. Like the Steve- is that the Stephen King one? It is a Stephen King adaptation. I believe mm. directed by Mike Flanagan. Oh, yeah. Our fave. If I'm not mistaken, this is a Netflix original. Yeah, I think so. I think but, this and 1922, the other Stephen King right. movie, are both... Uh, From a couple years ago? Maybe last year. I don't remember. I think, I think it was just last year. I think both of them were last year. I remember them going on Netflix around the same right. time. Exciting. Mike really Flanagan. exciting. This is fun. Oh, roulette. Thank you. <laughs> you not to pull us back in. Finally. Oh, I'm excited about Mike Flanagan, too. I feel like this is our... Would this be our third Flanagan movie on it the podcast? It would be. Oculus Before I Wake and now Gerald's Game. Yeah, I'm super excited. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. So join us next time for Gerald's Game. Until then, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at Now Screaming. Be sure to you know, tell your friends about the podcast. We're back leave now. us a rating, leave us a review. Any way you want to spread the word and help more people find the podcast, mm-hmm. we love you. We love it. We love new people. And old people. <laughs> we love everyone. People of all ages. <laughs> And as always, thank you to Wes Craven for making Scream, which yeah. is the gold standard of riffs on uh, sequential, like... Teens dying. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, the Man in the Mask, as you can call it. The better, the better version of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, Wes Craven, for <laughs> setting the bar high. <laughs> All right. Until next time, everybody. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.